Ladies and gentlemen, it is I, Sam Gilstrap, and the Ghost Lights podcast is back. You've been clamoring for it. You've been yelling at me to get back on it. And you know what? I finally am paying attention to your calls. And today, our special guest is Candace Joyce. Hello, Candace. Hi. Happy to be here. That's all so awesome for you to be available and joining us today. You recently wrapped up a project with Antota 2 Theater Company. Was there anything else lined up on the future? Yeah, that's right. Uh, that just closed last night, actually. Mm -hmm. And um, no, actually, I don't have a project on Slate. I think that's always a bit of a vulnerable thing for an actor to say, because we all like to be busy and working. But, you know, uh, that's what it is. So it, I, I could use a break. That's good to take Definitely. a little bit of a break. But, a little downtime is always good. Um, hope for something on the horizon, of course. Well, very cool. Yeah. Um, just for those of you who are paying attention at home, um, the, the show that just recently wrapped up was Show of Force with the Antoto 2 Theater Company, directed by Susan Lyles, a friend of the podcast. Um, starred Candice, Christina Fontaine, Katie Poling, and I'm going to mispronounce the last name without your help. Cecilia? Uh, I don't know. I, uh, I'm embarrassed. I don't know how to pronounce Cecilia's last name either. Uh, Cecilia Kuhn Kim, I'm hoping that's correct. Um, the, I was going to, we just recently talked about it before we got started. One of the things that was really cool. And one of the things that, one of the reasons why I wanted you to have on, I thought you, I find you to be an enlightened personality oh. when it comes to, um, lots of things socially and to have such a diverse group of people in this cast. Was that something that was written in there specifically or something that Susan wanted to do with her casting choices? That's a great question. You know, um, Susan worked on this play mm -hmm. in development for over a year, as I understand it. Wow. And so I don't know the extent to which the play took its current shape through her collaboration with the playwright, mm -hmm. but the script I received from the playwright did indicate um, that one of the characters was a Korean American mm -hmm. and one was an African American. Oh, and so that was in the text and um, Susan did a lovely job of assembling a right group to fit what the text wanted. It's fantastic. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that there's some specificity behind that For with sure. the, the playwright and then that it was able to um, get put on. Yeah, for sure. I think that um, this has been kind of an exciting past season of theater in Colorado mm. because I have noticed so many plays about women mm. and um, just company after company produced shows, often multiple shows in their season this, this past year mm. that were very girl power and uh, it was a delight to see those plays and to be a part of some of them and um yeah i'm grateful to susan and the playwright for writing this story about uh veterans and women veterans in particular uh, transitioning back into civilian life after their service and it was a pleasure to get to be a part of telling those stories awesome um usually when we have a first-time guest on we ask them theater how did it happen and i've been dying to know Candace, how did you get into this? Oh, um, you know, I I think that for me, it traces back to the fact that um, ever since I was a wee little girl, I have loved stories. Mm. My mom taught me to read before I went to kindergarten. So grateful to her for that. And from that point forward, I just always had a book in my hands. That's great. Um, mostly literature, not a lot of nonfiction, but yeah. just always had my head in the clouds with a story mm -hmm. and um, my parents 
you know, date night for them was going to the Buell to see the latest Broadway touring musical. And as I, you know, got a little bit older, I thought, well, I want to go on date night and see the the Broadway musical. And um, one of my earliest theater memories is them saying, okay, but you are still like, you know, early, maybe middle elementary school mm -hmm. student. If we're going to take you to a grown up musical and you know pay all that money for a ticket, we have to know you're going to sit through it. And so the test show for me, they took me to the Garner Galleria Theater mm -hmm. to see Forever Plaid. And uh, I definitely passed the test. It was like, <laughs> I, I didn't know how to put any of this to words then, mm -hmm. but the buzz of energy from the audience and mm -hmm. the band getting ready and what's behind the curtain and just the being in the space even before the show started completely captivated me. Wow. And um, the next show, since I passed the test, that they took me to see was the Phantom of the Opera. Oh. And so the energy shift from the Garner Galleria to the Buell was just even more, you know, like thumping. I remember I felt like I could feel it in my chest. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just knew okay, this is something that I have to be a part of too. Funnily enough, even though those were both musicals, I don't do musical theater, but um, that was the, the entree for me. How young were you when that happened? Gosh, I wish I could remember precisely. I'm sure my parents would, but I was definitely in elementary school um, and maybe, I don't know, second, third grade. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. But, I mean, did you find that you were, th that those stories, was it the, was it the reading that helped pull you in that direction and or was it something that didn't exist in the books like when like you would read i don't know for an example like i mean the three musketeers and then you go see a, a musical and like i know they're probably not the same musical to the story but like was there something that was different from the books that you're reading that pulled you in or was it just the whole that's a that's a great point um because they're they're definitely two very different mediums mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm still an avid reader, but my heart is in performance and going to see shows rather than wanting to, to somehow write a book or something myself. Mm -hmm. So so I definitely think that, um, that the dynamic of the live experience with all of those other people in sharing the same space and receiving directly this this beautiful story from other human beings up on a stage there's something about that extra level of storytelling mm -hmm. that really captivated me but um I, I think that at its core the reason that i love theater is because of this the storytelling mm -hmm. the shared humanity of it and and the fact that theater goes above and beyond what a, what a book does to create this life shared experience all in one moment in your words what is that thing that theater does in creating that experience what are the like the bullet points you're like when you go to see a show this is what feels different this is what sounds different is there something like that that you could put in those way put in your words you know um i think theater has a beautiful way of of being able to tap into this heightened reality mm. um Shows in particular that that were written such that or or directed such that they tap into the theatricality that that live moment offers mm -hmm. create a deeper lens into the human experience. I think mm -hmm. um, that aha moment that can come from watching the beautiful fusion of what the 
scene designer is doing and in collaboration with lighting and sound and, and the actors and all of those pieces that have been brought together that that are all creating this perfect meld. I, I think there, it, it's that um, indefinable thing mm -hmm. that you know it when you see it. Yeah. And, and it takes your breath away and it creates this memory, something you can't get away from in your mind that, that triggers a deeper understanding about the human experience or, or a perspective you haven't considered before or a truth that you know deep inside of yourself but haven't been able to articulate. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's great. I mean, the, and when, so often, like when I look back at the things that I read before I became you know, interested in theater and performing, I think these, these stories that pulled something within me. Uh, I remember like, I'll always carry dear dad, um, a book by letters from an adult child, a book by Louis Anderson. Um, then there's, um, the things they carried by Tim O'Brien, like, even though like I've never, like I'm, that was a book that I read. I'm like, yeah, I definitely don't want to go to war. Definitely don't want to experience what that is like, but then hearing about those people and, and the varying degrees and pain that they all go through and the joys that they experience, even in those difficult times, um, the, there was something that was, I don't know, loud is the word that's coming to my, to my mind right now that I find is amazing when you can experience it in real time, as opposed to a book. I mean, I got to a part, a part in Game of Thrones in the very first book where I threw the book down for six months, <laughs> you know, and then, and then to watch it again, it didn't have the same punch. Mm. But then I feel like if there was something like if I was in, if I felt like I was in the crowd watching my favorite character lose his head and to like, if I was in the theater, I think that would be stirring. And that's what I mean. Well, in the book you mentioned the things they carried, it's a very theatrical book mm. because the premise uh, that that O'Brien O'Brien right yeah, talks O'Brien. about it, it, he he says some of the stories are true some of them aren't and I'm not going to tell you which is which because that's how it, intense this was that yeah. that you can't tell the difference because probably the ones you think weren't true are the ones that were and um, and the way that he captures you know just the the hallucinations and the savagery and the just you can't even believe it's happening of war there's something theatrical about it so it's interesting that that's the one that you picked oh yeah I, I, I so i read that book back in college and i couldn't shake it and i wrote like four different papers that i never turned in because of that book and i don't know what it was just i that was the first book that i read and cried mm. and i had no connection to this life at all outside of like you know my ex-stepfather who was on a boat his entire life in Vietnam. So he never stepped foot in, you know, a swamp. Yeah. And while those, those stories are vivid and you know, I've got the Ken Burns documentary to kind of take me down a specific path. It was just very, it was very jarring. Yeah. And I love it when something as simple as a piece of paper can in your hand can take you to those places and make you feel those things. But when you, are in it like an audience member would be in a book. It, 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 I think it has a better chance of staying with you longer. Yeah. yeah. When you, um, as you got older, 
went through high school, college, did you stay with theater or was there another route that you, that you focused on, but never keeping it out of your life too far? Yeah. You know, my path to, to finally being where I am at now, which is, you know, really actively pursuing a career in this was pretty fraught. Um, I, I went to a very conservative, uh, private school, my, my whole, you know, adolescence, um, and elementary through high school. Um, and it was the type of environment where I got a great academic education and was just, you know, super ready for, to kill it in college and Mm -hmm. very grateful for that aspect of it. But the social part of it, um, was, was pretty harsh and art was not valued, particularly, you know, the performing arts. Um, and so even though I loved it, I had to tap into it outside of school. Um, and when I was in middle school, I started taking classes at a, a youth theater organization here in the Denver Metro. And, and then, um, when I went to college, I finally got to really dive deeper into it. Mm -hmm. Um, but there was always this, um, this voice in my head from the kind of social upbringing that I received from that school, um, that said to, to choose a life where you're where you're an actor is selfish um, and not contributing to a better world. Mm. And I really struggled with that for for a long time. Um, and it wasn't until I don't know five or six years ago that I finally was able to acknowledge this core part of my identity and say this is what I want to do, despite the fact that you know my bachelor's degree was about theater and my master's degree was about theater there was always this um uh this this part of me that said but you you can only do that a little bit you have to do something that contributes in a better way to society and um so it it took me a while Mm -hmm. the journey was a bit fraught but you know I'm finally there (laughs) how did you marry the two um between being socially responsible or at least as a civilian responsible and contributing to society and be an artist with their, is it in your day job or is it in the work that you choose as a, as an actor? Yeah. For, so for, for many years, what I, what I did was I, I had a real, you know, adult day job. I was an educator for a long time and then I shifted to working for a nonprofit. Um, and, and then, you know, would try to feed that part of my soul mm-hmm. <laughs> on the side. And and it just, um, I, I finally think that I, I was able to shake off, like a lot of us have to do, some of those things that you grow up with that you believe and then you realize, oh, that's actually a lie. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, and this thing that I, that is the core of theater that I've loved my whole life, which is storytelling, is incredibly valuable. Yeah. And and stories are are how we understand the world around us. It's how our perspectives broaden and change the way that we think and hopefully behave as human beings in this world, <laughs> interact with those who are different and um, feel compassion. And, you know, it's like this beautiful gift, actually, to, to share stories with people. Mm-hmm. So I think I just had to um, to shake off that kind of lie and mm-hmm. and say it's actually a really noble thing to do with your life absolutely yeah yeah i mean the different people that you get to be in the different scenarios that you get to be putting yourself in i mean 
like it it's transformative in a lot of ways. I did a show recently where I, I, I kind of got a sense of this alt-right world, not necessarily the beliefs, but the, but the backbone and how a person can start to feel that way and kind of blindly go along with the group because they're shouting the loudest at you. Mm-hmm. And uh, to try and get that understanding and not be so judgmental is even if some believe that this is a time to be judgmental and pick your sides. But I think every generation could probably say that, (laughs) but it's, I don't, I I, with what I was doing before I got into theater, I don't think that would have happened. I would have had my, my, my little groups, the people that I talk to all the time about what we're voting for, what we're, or, or what's happening in the news. And we share our same stories, our same sides, and there's no growth from that. Like if you're only talking to people who agree with you, what, like, what are you learning and what are you gaining and what can be changed? Yeah. I mean, it's, you need to go out there and engage at the very least have the pos the open mind to experience another side. And it's through the arts. I think that's something that is much more easily attainable. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing to go out there and have a conversation and seek somebody out who, you know, thinks differently. But if you come to a show where different stories are going to be told, then you might just, you might get opened up a whole lot easier than something harsh. Yeah. 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 What is, as you're working now, do you have a, like when you audition and pick your seasons, are you thinking like, Ooh, that's, that's a strong character. That's a story that needs to be told. That's what I'm going for. Or do you just go like they're auditioning, they're auditioning, they're auditioning, I'm diving in. Right. Well, you know, there, for sure, um, there is the, the part of, of me that gets really excited about certain stories. And, mm. and, you know, I will totally email a director and say, gosh, I'm so happy that you are telling this story and I would really be honored to, to read for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will put myself out there. But on the other hand, I, I need to pay the bills. And so yeah. I'm a, I'll audition for, for anything that's out there. Um, so you know, there, I think there's always, there's always the balance mm-hmm. and, and not to say that every show that I do has to be, ha- have this major social impact. Mm-hmm. I think there's also great value to making people laugh. Absolutely. Um, and so theater can serve a lot of different uh, functions mm-hmm. for people and, and it's a joy to be a part of all of them. Um, so there are definitely plays that get me more excited because of what they are saying, mm-hmm. but um, it's also, you know, about getting work, right? <laughs> to some degree. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. 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 We're not going to stay actors if there's, I mean, well, if we're too choosy. Yeah, definitely. The, eventually, someone will make the choice for us. Right, yeah. Hope you're just not, what I'm looking for. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, right. When One of the projects where I finally actually got to see a lot of your work was District Merchants, mm-hmm. um, the Aaron Poison play that was done at Miner's Alley recently. Uh, talk to me about that process and specifically from your character's perspective. I thought it was, this really unique woman in this story playing these sides that she was maybe playing is the wrong word, but I mean, just the, the life that she was living. And it, it seemed like her best friend was her, her maid with the Christina who played a maid or I don't, I don't even know what she would dub herself in that world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, gosh, that was just a gift of a role, mm. a real gem. Um, Posner is a gifted playwright and, um, he created a, a woman 
who is just such a pleasure to play because of the range. Mm -hmm. So um, District Merchants is a retelling of The Merchant of Venice set in the post-Civil War era. And because he was telling a, a Shakespearean story, all, I think everything was elevated mm -hmm. in the same way that Shakespeare's characters are you know always living at eight, nine, ten, eleven on the scale of emotion and urgency? Um, these characters were too. So the only difference was that for the most part, you know, it was more modern language. Although there was still some iambic pentameter in there and that mm -hmm. kind of thing. But um, Portia, much like her counterpart in Merchant of Venice. Mm -hmm. Is, is trying to find her way in a man's world, um, but is incredibly intelligent and, and kind of stuck in this place where there's a lot of icky things happening in society. Yeah. Um, she, she does have a great friend in a woman who is essentially her, her maid. Mm -hmm. And there's a power dynamic there that affects the relationship, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, so she's a woman of privilege, but she's also wanting to imagine herself to be enlightened. Mm -hmm. And then on top of all of that, she thinks that she's fallen in love with a man who is, you know, of her same place in life. And then come to find out, no, he's black. Mm -hmm. And she totally didn't realize it because he had light colored skin. And so then she really has to face up to what do I believe? Am I going to put my money where my mouth is? Mm -hmm. Um, and and then suddenly this hypothetical concept of equality became very real for her, mm -hmm. and, and it was really um, a privilege to to get to explore that crisis, that tension. Yeah. Did you find anything changing inside you and your perspective on those those specific messages that the play was trying to get across, yeah. or did it just reaffirm? kind of where you stood. Yeah, you know, um, I read, um, what is the author's name? The um, Underground Railroad, that novel that just came out uh, a couple years ago at the same time that I was in the show. Mm -hmm. Just really kind of submersing myself in this idea of um, it, what was happening in the country mm -hmm. with all of that inequality. And, and I do think it makes you examine yourself, and, our, and for me it did, in the world that we're in now. Um, how do I use my privilege? Mm. And um, how much do I match my talk with the way that I really live my life? How much do I listen instead of just talk? Portia was a talker. Mm. There's like a four and a half page monologue where she just, <laughs> <laughs> you know, she she was very much one to to want to talk and and where are the moments that I listen and um and I think that uh, it, it posed some good challenges. Interesting. As you a random question that just kind of poked into my head, and and if you don't want to answer it because it's I, I'm trying, I think it's more delicate than I, I probably am feeling right now. Okay. How would you? because it's something that I am personally trying to quantify for my own career. What would you say, what stage you're at in your career? And is there a trajectory plan that you think you've got? Or are you just along for the ride, sharpening your skills 
Yeah. Um, I, I feel really fortunate the last couple of years I have, I've been booked mm-hmm. and, and actually, you know, now is the, the first time in a, in a couple of years where that, where I don't have something on, on the books and, and that's kind of the actor's life, right? It's mm-hmm. often feast or famine. Yeah. Um, you can be riding a wave and, and doing a lot and then, and then there's a lull for a while. Um, so I don't really know what's ahead. It's audition season. So we're all out there hustling. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been really trying to rest in this place of gratitude, mm-hmm. um, really intentionally thinking about all of the, the companies that invited me to be a part of the story storytelling over the last year, mm-hmm. the Arvada center and curious and Betsy and miners alley, these places with people that I admire so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it really felt like I hit a new stride in my career here in the Denver Metro over the last couple of years working um, on these fantastic stories with all these really gifted people. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I was kind of thinking, well, this is kind of a limbo time while we're all waiting and hustling. Um, and maybe if, you know, nothing comes out, this time round, it means that it's the universe giving me that gentle nudge to say, okay, what are you going to do next to, to get to the next level? Mm-hmm. Um, so I have thought about, um, you, you know, putting myself out there beyond the Denver Metro mm-hmm. and, and um, trying to, to, I don't know, audition around the country and yeah. um, put myself out there for some other things and, I don't know, we'll just we'll just see, but I definitely don't want to to stagnate. I um, I want to keep pushing the envelope of what's next in the career because my my goal really is this, um, and I've been weaning myself off of the day job thing, yeah. which feels good. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's all kind of like this balance between doing the best work that you can mm-hmm. and putting it out there for all of the companies to see and and maybe select from and knowing that to some degree they have that power. Right. But then also to acknowledge it's, it's my career and we have to create our own choices and, and power within that too. It's, it's this weird, it's this weird balance. Ah, No, it really is. It's uh, like, I've had, I've had a conversation with a friend of late and uh, there seems to be a, misunderstanding on terms of like my presence in the game, as I call it. Uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one. I don't know why I made that sound so unique. I'm <laughs> sorry, everyone. Uh, but it's how much are we willing to drive ourselves into the ground for it? And what are we willing to tolerate and things like that? Um, they've been coming up a lot for me lately and my current day job requires a lot of attention and focus in them and it's rewarding in a lot of ways so it's it's nice to be in a place where I'm like you know I feel like my life is not wasted if I go home after work and I don't go to a rehearsal or I don't do a performance I feel like I'm full and that's a great place to finally be in and one of the things that's been really cool is to be in that space and to think yeah now it really makes me love the work Hmm. really makes me love going to rehearsal. Like I've got, I've got what I want in terms of 
gratification with my means of making a living. And now I can focus on choices and hanging out with the group of people that's been assembled to tell this particular story and, and get to know them and to like, you know, enhance what we're working at, enhance that story that's already on paper for us. And it's, it's nice to be in that space. Um, it doesn't come around that often. Do you, do you take classes? How do you sharpen your skills? Do you constantly reading, um, making faces in the bathroom mirror? (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't? Um, (laughs) I do them all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I do the Al Pacino, uh, thing from any given Sunday. I will not try and mimic it for you. I'm already awkward enough with my laptop and microphone. <laughs> okay. Well, well, maybe after the podcast, I could get a, a special performance. Of oh yeah. That yeah, definitely. I'm sure it's, yeah. Um, we'll see. Play your cards right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll try. <laughs> um, yeah, I, um, I have, I, I love taking classes at the Denver center and the education program. I haven't done it in a while because mm. I've been working too yeah. much. Um, but, uh, I, I'm especially interested at this point in skill acquisition. Mm. So, um, uh, you know, maybe doing some stage combat with Jeff Kent or, um, I've been working on, um, some voiceover work, um, to, trying to get into the field of, you know, maybe audiobook narration and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, which is all part of that goal of being more self-sustaining as an actor, right? Not, yeah. not just waiting uh, for something, but, but what can I do on my own time, not only that could produce income, but that can also give me more practice and and more experience doing different characters and that kind of thing. Um, and so, yeah, I've been taking, when I can, I'll do classes, especially that are, that are skill focused. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a lot of plays. I do this in part because, um, I think it's, it's good to constantly be looking for audition material mm-hmm. and to kind of have that, a file to pull from instead of, Oh shoot, there's an audition and I have nothing new. Um, so I read a lot of plays, but then also I, I think that that helps to keep, um, aware of what's new and happening mm-hmm. in the theater world and like, who are the new playwrights and what are they, what do they have to say? Um, and, uh, I'm also a company member at benchmark theater. Mm-hmm. And so, um, When I have a break, it's really nice to be still involved in some way Mm -hmm. with what's happening there so that you're just always a part of thinking about storytelling, even if it's in this kind of off to the side sort of way, Mm -hmm. having a toe in the water helps to keep things fresh and, and to keep your mind thinking about how do we tell a story? um, What kind of choices best serve yeah. what's happening in a moment and um yeah so I guess and I and I do read you know a lot of books who did I just I read a recently I read Michael Caine's book on acting and it was mostly him talking about how cool he is but he is cool so it's okay <laughs> Michael Caine's pretty cool he's pretty cool <laughs> yeah. he can he can read a phone book and I'd be like wow that's riveting stuff I have often said and I don't mean this to sound creepy. Sorry, Michael Caine, but I would love for him to read me a good night story. <laughs> you know, like that's not creepy at all. Sleep listening to your wonderful voice. <laughs> yeah, no, 
I would I would totally be down for like a couple of chapters of Harry Potter. Yeah. Just hit that. Please. Oh, my that'd be heart. great. Michael Kane, if you are listening to this in the UK or wherever you are right now, working on your next Christopher Nolan film, please please reach out to Candace and read it. That's my story. Yes, thank you. That's right. That uh, he's uh, one of our big donors. And if you don't know by now, I'm lying. And Michael, have I have I ever asked you for too much? No, I. I don't no, I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> this is this is the least of the things that fans are asking you for. I'm sure. Uh, I'm flushed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I had like an equivalent to like. Don't feel bad. I have this weird request. <laughs> no, I don't. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, how about this, Lin Manuel Miranda? Just come on to my podcast and talk to me about theater. And acting and the Thank arts. You, that made me feel better. Yeah, that would that would be that's my dream. I've reached out to you on Facebook and I've gotten nothing, not even a like. <laughs> Come on, you can't even poke a brother back. I mean, small potatoes here in Denver, but please. <laughs> what is uh, as a company member with Benchmark? What are your? How does that work in terms of like community involvement? I know we got the mini the mini golf fundraiser coming up. Yeah. bugged you about that on the Facebook. Yeah. What else are you involved with them? Um, well, uh, you know, what, one of the reasons that I love being a company member at Benchmark is wow. um, for the community. Mm. It, it's nice to to have a group of other like-minded artists to, to, to just be a part of, to kind of have that family base. Mm -hmm. So that is really nice. Um, but there are lots of ways that company members can and do get involved. I have been working myself on shows so much that I haven't been able to take advantage of them as much. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, our company members will serve in design capacities and um, certainly in acting and directing. And, um, and then also just kind of just, I suppose, supporting the work. Yeah. So w one of the ways I'm supporting the work right now is, is by helping to run our upcoming fundraiser. So yes, please everyone June 15th, come out to the um, mini golf tournament. It's going to be great fun. That's right. Where's that at again? It is that adventure golf in Westminster. Adventure golf in Westminster. Mm -hmm. You have two days to get the uh, two more days to get the discounted buy-in for a foursome. That's right. That's $10 right. off. Do it now. Or forever hold your peace. That's, well, no, you can still get it. You just paid ten dollars more, and we'll say thank you. Well, but you know, we'll get, get the discount while you can. Get the discount. But you know what? How about this? Be late because that money is still going to a good theater company. That's right, and then that money, you know, goes back into the pockets of actors and directors, and um, so that's a good thing too. Definitely, very good thing. How, um, you talking about paying actors? A random questions coming to my head. How do you, do you feel that um, there's an, how do you feel paying, the paying of actors in Colorado is going? And you know, that's a great question. I'm still learning mm. it myself. Um, I'm still learning what is an appropriate way to, to be compensated for my time. Mm. Um, I've always worked for, you know, when, when I was doing the day job thing, mm. it was always in a nonprofit or a school or something where there was never money. So I'm kind of always used to there never being money. Um, but 
I'm kind of still figuring out how to navigate that business side of things, especially because um, I'm ENC, but I'm, I'm not equity. And, and I don't know that I will turn equity in Denver, mm -hmm. um, at least maybe not for a good while until I, I felt like I would still book. Um, you know, yeah. I think that it, it's normal in your career to, to have a period of paying the dues mm -hmm. as, as you are building trust in the community and, and that kind of thing. So I'm also kind of learning to advocate for myself and to say, you, you know what, you've offered a thank you, but um, this is what I need to make it work. Yeah. Which, you know, is a little bit empowering, a little scary at the same time. And, right. and I'm just kind of one offer at a time figuring that out. Nice. That's one of the things I've not been comfortable with is the advocating and the negotiating for like, I mean, uh, reason... A recent gig had me driving from Lakewood to Aurora and then from Aurora to the DU neighborhood. And that's a lot. That's a big trek in terms of where I'm staying, how I'm getting to the theater. And that takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. And then to like do it for, you know, a minimal stipend that doesn't cover the cost of gas. Like that's, that's something you have to be aware of in order to take care of yourself. Because I mean, like the burnout thing is a real thing. And if you're burning yourself out for fumes, you know, for, for nothing, then it's going to happen faster. Right. And then, then the grateful aspect of it becomes harder. And I think, I mean, I don't want to, like, I get the perspective of that. What we do as actors is the best job in the world. And I, and I, tell, that, I tell that to myself every day before the lights go down and curious right now I'm doing curious since the dog at that time the lights go down I remind myself of that it's this stupid little thing that I started doing now and only because I've, I'm seeing it in a different light but I don't think I could do that if I was still if I hadn't grown if I hadn't put the time in to be at a place where I feel like I mean Betsy's different than say working out of uh, a refurbished garage on 73rd Avenue by 36, that highway 36, right? Where I did a show once. Like those are very different locations and very different ways of treating their actors. The fact that I'm, I'm able to work there, that, that yourself able to work there, like that shows growth, shows drive, it shows passion for the work, that you're a good person, that you're not a dick backstage. <laughs> and that, I don't know, that you give a damn. And if you're at that place, you don't want to burn out because those places are special. You know, um, I got some advice once from someone who said there are there are three reasons to do a show, and two of the three have to be in action to take the offer. So either it's uh, so one of them is the the uh, the project is great. Mm -hmm. it, it's just a, a wonderful story, great writing, something whatever. The project totally worth it. Second reason, the people are good. Mm -hmm. Third reason, the pay is good. Yeah. And at least two of the three have to be in play. Yeah. Or it won't be worth it. It won't be a good experience. One of the three isn't enough. If you get lucky and you get all three, it's like you've hit the jackpot. And I have found that um, the times when I have compromised and done it when it was only one, it was a, a rocky road. Yeah. Um, and that has been really solid, helpful advice that, that um, 
I'm fortunate where I am in my life right now. If the pay isn't exactly what I really would hope that it would be, but the project and the people are worth it, then, then for me, okay, that's great. I I will do it and love it and be, and it'll be a good experience. So um, at least where I am right now, that's been really solid advice for me. Absolutely. That's those are great rules to work by and pretty much in any walk of life. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, definitely if you, I mean, so often we all, we all have those processes where you're like, Oh man, I'll always remember such and such. And it's great when you can have, the people, the peace and the cherry on top for me is the pay but it's like to remember why you do it over and over again. I mean, we all, we just, those experiences alone are so few and far between, even if we've got enough of those little check marks. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> Sorry. Round, round in the circle. Um, for you right now, what are those bits of advice that you wish you had when you were that little girl sitting there with your folks watching Forever Plaid? When you thought, oh, I need this. I need this feeling. Yeah. Um, I wish that someone had said to me, it's, it's good and okay to be an actor. It's more than okay. Do it. Mm. It's okay. Um, it's so simple. It's not like this really deep advice, but I, I do wish that I had been told that. Um, so I told myself that like six years ago and, and it's been great ever since then. Um, and, but I wish I'd heard it sooner for sure. Absolutely. I, I've, I've been having this conversation with a friend of mine and, and he's under the impression that these are crazy times and I cannot agree with him more but it's still okay to be an artist. Yeah. It's still okay to be a part of a community that is challenging their audiences and themselves with whatever material they bring to it. There's always something to gain from any piece, even if it's not the best play in the world. There's something, oh, that play shouldn't be done anymore. Like something like that. <laughs> right, right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of written itself into a corner we've all seen those plays being produced or we've, we've seen them come up for a season or whatever. But then if we're involved in it, we can actively make, actively make it important and actively tell that message, whatever it happens to be to the best of our abilities and not, and not be somebody that's not contributing to society and help us alleviate these crazy times. Like you said earlier, it's okay to laugh, even if it's, even if there's an orange ass hat that's <laughs> making life uncomfortable to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. We don't like to say that person's name, that thing's name here. So we just orange ass hat or whatever other nickname we got for him. Fine by me. Sounds good. Very good. Candace, thank you so much for sitting down with us um, and just sharing with us while you're in it. Um, ladies and gentlemen, the actress is Candace Joyce. Please do me a favor. Do yourself a favor. If you see her in a show, go see it. She's great. She's kind. And she's smart as a whip. Um, she recently wrapped up something for Antoto 2. The show is called Show of Force. Please check out Antoto 2. They'll be coming back soon. And um, if you're out there grinding, 
It's that time of year. Work hard. Um, it's okay to be inactive. <laughs> yes. That's absolutely okay. Get what, it. Get it. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, the podcast is the Ghost Lights Podcast. The song is War by the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble, at least for the time being. We are going to have a contest here over the summer to get new theme music. If you know people who make beats, play guitar, I don't know, or really kick ass on a recorder, send them my way. Tell them to record something. Otherwise, our unofficial um, drink sponsor today was the Petite Crusher. I should say the Crusher Petite Syrah. It's a nice bottle of wine. Go out and grab yourself some, um, So especially so they don't sue me. Otherwise, thanks again, and have a great night.